Well, thanks, Pastor Tim. Um, hey, on the 4th of July, here's what I'd like to do. Uh, if you'll turn to Philippians 3, 17 through 21, we'll read that passage in just a second. But on this morning, 4th of July, Independence Day, I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be a citizen. Um, so let me pray for us this morning, uh, and then we'll jump into it together. Father, Lord, we thank you for this time together, and God, I just consider our country this morning and the freedoms that we have, the opportunities that we have, the liberty that we have, Lord, and it's all given by you. Uh, and so we thank you for that this morning. We thank you that you're the author and you're the sustainer, not only of, of our faith, but of all things, Lord, that you hold it all together. Um, and so this morning, Lord, I just pray that in our time together, we would be sensitive to what you have to say, Lord, that you would shape and mold and convict us, Lord, so that we could live lives that look more like your son. Uh, Lord, and so we thank you, we praise you, we glorify you this morning, and we pray it all in your son Jesus' and his holy and his precious name, amen. <clears throat> well, I want to do something quickly before we get started, and that's personally, uh, just in front of everyone, to thank uh, Pastor Steve. And so I did it in the first service, but I'm going to do it again because words can't put in uh, to expression the love that I have for this man, um, just a brother in Christ and all that he's meant to me. And so I'll share briefly. So I moved from Texas to Virginia a little over two years ago and had no clue what I was doing. I, I seriously had no clue. Uh, my work moved me here. And when I told people in Texas that I was moving to Fredericksburg, uh, their first response was Fredericksburg, Texas. Because, I, unbeknownst to some, there is a Fredericksburg, Texas. And so they had said, well, you'll only be a few hours down the road, so that's not a big deal. And then I broke the news to them that I was actually moving to the East Coast, and it was Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, and so I had no idea. I just felt that it was the right move for me to make. And so I picked up, packed up all my belongings, left my friends, left my family. Families joined me out here since then, which is great. But uh, left everything and just moved out to Virginia. It was shortly after that that I met Pastor Steve. And he began to help me uh, in kind of evaluating and determining the call that was on my life. And I, I, I had no idea. I just kind of felt from an early age. I was like, man, I, just, like, I want to serve the Lord with everything that I have. Everything that I have, I want to be his. But I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that looked like. Britt and I had talked and prayed about it, and we we're still uncertain. And through countless conversations, I mean countless conversations, uh, he stood by my side, he listened to some hurts that I had, some questions uh, that I had. He was there, uh, he mentored me, he guided me, uh, and so, Pastor Steve, I can't, I can't thank you enough. Uh, like I said, words just don't do it justice. Um, my joy is found in the fact that not only will I get to share more days with you here, but that we'll spend eternity together. That uh, brings joy to me, and I can't wait uh, to just see what's in store for him in this next phase of his life. So uh, can we just give him a round of applause this morning? I'm just thankful for him. <clears throat> uh, 
Uh, and so a few things. Let, let me mention this briefly. Uh, so the week leading up to August 1st, there's, a, there's a, few, a couple of events I want you to be aware of. So Wednesday the 28th, all of our small groups, instead of meeting as small groups, we're going to congregate here for a worship night uh, here just to celebrate him. Uh, it's going to be a great time of worship and testimony and just honoring him. And then the second thing, at the Files House that Saturday is a come and go event. And so um, from 12 to 4, is that right? 12 to 4 in the afternoon. So make plans uh, to show up to their house uh, and you know, grab a bite to eat and just thank him for his time. So uh, mark your calendars for those two things um, that week prior to uh, him preaching on August 1st. So let's read this passage together. Uh, if you have a Bible, Philippians 3, uh, verses 17 through 21. And, uh, and let's see what Paul has to say about citizenship. Here's what he says. Verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So I'm not sure if you can recall off the top of your head where we've been as a church in 2021. Uh, maybe you can, maybe you can't. I'll just give it to you this morning. So the theme for the year has been the truth sets us free. The truth sets us free. And so we've looked at different doctrines and how those doctrines really impact what we believe and again, if you're gonna play this equation out, then what you believe is going to impact the way you act. And so like, some people just like to talk about, well, I just need to fix my behavior. And my argument to them would be, you need to fix what you believe because right, whatever you're rooted in, that's what you will bear fruit in. And so identifying and reconciling what we believe is key. And so most recently we've been talking about the doctrine of the church and what the church is, what the church is not, how we fit into the local church. Um, and so this morning, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put a pause on that. So uh, I don't want you to get confused and be thinking, oh, we're gonna talk about the church this morning, and then you're like, well, citizenship, how does, this, like, how does this reconcile itself? We're gonna put a pause on that, and we're gonna talk about citizenship on this Sunday, July 4th. And I don't know what your Independence Day traditions were, but July 4th, or around this time, for me, always meant Watching, this is going to shock some of you, ready? Watching fireworks in a cemetery. I know, right? Weird. I know. Yeah, don't, you can ask me later. Uh, but one of my childhood best friends, her family owned a cemetery in Pampa, Texas. And so what we would do every year is we would go out and they had a plot of land beside the cemetery. And we'd prop up some lawn chairs and they would uh, go buy a ton of fireworks and we'd just sit out there and, and watch the fireworks. And it was a great time uh, of just fellowship and friends and family. So I don't know for you what your Independence Day traditions are, but as we think of Independence Day, what it means for us as Americans, I think it's important that we evaluate or look at our history. And so I don't know how many history buffs there are in here. I'm certainly not a history buff, but I do know a little bit about American history, and so I'm sure this will ring a bell for you. Uh, but if you recall, right, America under British taxation, oppression, and so uh, you had two key figures during that time, Thomas Paine, uh, who penned common sense, 
Uh, if anybody recalls what common sense was. Uh, and it got disseminated to hundreds of thousands of people. And so it kind of stirred up this rebellion uh, within the American culture of that day and age. And you had a Virginia native, Thomas Jefferson, who penned the Declaration of Independence. And so on this day, we celebrate over 200 years of freedom in America. And so again, today, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to consider what it means to be a citizen. And so as you think of what it means to be a citizen, I don't know if any definition uh, comes to mind, but I would ask a question in association with your citizenship, and that's, is your citizenship important to you? And I think most would argue and say, absolutely, my citizenship is important to you. And so we'll come back to that at the end. Just keep that in mind. Is my citizenship important to me? But what does it mean to be a citizen? Here's how the dictionary defines citizenship. Citizenship is a status that entails specific rights, duties, and benefits. A status that entails specific rights, duties, and benefits. And so I'm sure you see that play out in your American citizenship, that we have certain rights. We have a Bill of Rights. Uh, we have certain duties. It is your duty to obey the law. It is your duty to vote. <clears throat> Those are some of the duties that are entailed in American citizenship. It is also your duty, regardless of how you feel about this, your duty to pay taxes, right? That's a duty being an American citizen. But we also have certain benefits. Again, regardless of opinion, Social Security exists, and it's a benefit of the government. And so as an American citizen, you get the opportunity to participate, <clears throat> excuse me, in social security. So we see that as the dictionary defines it, citizenship comes with certain rights, certain duties, and certain benefits. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But our citizenship is really the foundation of who we are, if you think about it. Like, you don't sit down and talk with someone and just like hash out your citizenship. It's just, it's wired into who you are. And you make certain decisions about where you'll eat, about how you spend your money, about the friends that you'll have. You make decisions based upon your citizenship. It's wired into who we are. Uh, and then in association with our citizenship. So consider your citizenship and then consider what it means for you that as citizens of this land, we then pledge allegiance to this land, right? Uh, growing up in elementary school, every morning, what we would do is we would stand, put our hand over our heart, and we would face the flag and we would recite the Pledge of Allegiance. And I'm sure you know the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. So we're pledging our allegiance to this land. And allegiance is loyalty or faithfulness. And so consider it as Americans that we are citizens of this land. And so in conjunction with that, we pledge our allegiance to this land. That's what it means to be a citizen. So on July 4th, 2021, here's what I want us to do. I want us to do three things. And if you can recall, when we took communion several weeks ago, what Paul commissions us to do in 1 Corinthians 11, he commissions us to do three things, and we're gonna apply that principle this morning as well. He says, you are to look back, you are to look inward, and you are to look forward. And so those are the three things that we'll do this morning. But as Americans, consider that as well. We look back, do we not? We look back to those who have paved the way for us, for those who have served and created this opportunity for us and, and maintained the ability to live in a free land. 
And so this morning, what I would like to do is if you, I may miss one, and if I do, then feel free to stand up as well. But if you are a first-line responder, if you're a teacher, if you're active duty military or former active duty, uh, or any other type of first responder, then would you just please stand so we just give you a round of applause. Any, any in here this morning? Yeah, thank you. Man, we thank you. We thank you for your service. We thank you for your contribution. We thank you for your sacrifice so that we could live in the land that we live in. See, so we look back. We look back and we remember. But not only do we look back, we look forward as well. How many people have heard the phrase, America's best days are ahead of her? Or how many of you desire a better America for your children than the America that you live in? And so there's a forward thinking involved there, that we are to to have a futuristic mentality, thinking of the country that we want people to live in. And then what that does is it causes us to consider what we're doing today. That as you're living in this country, are you contributing? Are you adding value? What are you doing now to put the country in a position to be better than you left it? So you see the three principles at play here. We look back and we remember We look forward and we consider and we look inward as well. And so on this day, that's what we do as Americans. But, and this is a big but, if we are going to let the Bible dictate all that we do, all that we do, and if it's gonna be the book that drives our life, then we cannot pick and choose as believers what parts of the Bible that we agree with and what parts of the Bible that we do not. The Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God, and so it has things to say about every area of our life, and this morning, it has something to say about our citizenship, our allegiance, our citizenship. We talked about that, citizenship, and the implication of that being allegiance, and your citizenship is, I'm gonna break it to some people this morning, is not primarily to this country. And and your allegiance is not primarily to this country because the word of God resonates and rings out on this day, July 4th, in stating boldly that our citizenship and our allegiance are to heaven. First and foremost, and our first priority should be to the kingdom of God. We'll read it again this morning. We'll pick it up in verse 19. Here's what Paul says. He says, whose end is destruction, God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Here's verse 24, our citizenship is in heaven, for our citizenship is in heaven. And so in this section, verses 17 through 21 of Philippians, what Paul is dealing with is Christian conduct. Remember what we said at the beginning, that what you believe is directly going to influence how you behave. And so Paul's dealing with, okay, well, let's consider what we believe and how it's playing out in the way We act, so he's dealing with Christian conduct, and the first thing that he pleads believers to do in verse 17, he says, be imitators of me. Did you catch that? Verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have for us a pattern. He says, follow my example. So the first consideration this morning, uh, before we even begin to look back, to look inward, to look forward, just considering for yourself, is your desire to be an imitator of Paul or is it to be an admirer? Of Paul, And there is a stark difference between the two, that you can admire someone but wanna have nothing to do with what they're doing. Or the inverse can be true, where I'm just, I'm just following blindly, I have no admiration for what you're doing. And so what Paul says at the beginning of this passage, he says, be imitators of me. And you might be hearing that, you might think that's very egotistical of Paul, but really who was Paul imitating? 
He was imitating Jesus Christ. And so what Paul says, he says, be imitators of Jesus Christ. And he could look at himself and he could say, I'm an imitator of Christ. So be an imitator of me. Don't just be an admirer of me before we even do anything, right? Are we imitators of Paul? And so then we'll, we'll use the same principle this morning, looking back, looking inward, and looking forward for this passage in Philippians. So the first thing that Paul commissions us to do is to look back because in verse, in verse 18, here's what he says. He says, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. So here's my challenge to you this morning before we can talk about implications or practical application of anything. If you don't find yourself awestruck and in reverence of the cross of Christ, then we need to start there because of what Jesus did on Calvary over 2000 years ago, it is still as impactful today as it has ever been. And so you can find yourself in awe and in thanksgiving of what Jesus did for you this morning before we do anything, before we talk about ourself and play ourselves into this passage, the first thing, the first thing that we have to do is remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us 2000 years ago. But Paul says to look back and consider the cross of Christ. And he says, for many walk. So, so again, like look at your Bible, for many walk, and then Paul has this, this interjectory phrase. He says, of whom I have told you and now tell you even weeping. And just think about the Apostle Paul. When did the Apostle Paul ever weep? Like he wasn't a weeping man. He was, he was shipwrecked, uh, he was beaten, he was scorned, he was mocked, he was thrown in prison. And when did he ever weep? He, he rarely wept, but in this passage, what you see, like you read Philippians and, and you read earlier in chapter three and Paul says, hey, listen, I count all things as loss considering the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then in chapter four, what do you say? He says, I've known what it's like to be rich and I've known what it's like to be poor. And I find my contentment and my satisfaction in Christ alone. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He was never a weeper. Yet in this passage, we find him weeping at this thought. And he says, for many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. As we look back to the cross, we must consider, are we walking as enemies of the cross? Then we have to consider that there are some that do walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And I think on this day, I think of a military example, right? I just imagine two people training um, and, and, and an outsider would look at that and they would say, well, they're, they're doing the same things and they're using the same language and everything else is equal about them. But, but consider one of them being an enemy of America and one of them being a citizen of America who has their allegiance to America. So you see that the walk is the same. There are actions that are the same, but the end result is gonna be vastly different because of where their allegiance is. And that's what Paul says for us. The the next phrase he uses, he says, their end is destruction. There are some that walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And we have to to consider this this morning, that that are we simply moving or are we growing? Paul put it this way in Ephesians 4. He said, we are not to be tossed to and fro by the doctrine of men. We're not to be tossed to and fro. And And I remember um, I have a, an 18 foot little old bass boat that I inherited from my grandparents. And one evening, Brett and I got caught out on the Potomac uh, in a storm. And if you've ever been out there, I'm used to lake life, like in Texas, right? Lakes and little one foot waves. 
And so we get out on the Potomac in this 18-foot bass boat, and you talk about being tossed to and fro. We had no control. Uh, we had no direction. We could not control where we were headed. And so in that moment, I'm thinking, this is what it means to be tossed to and fro. You're just subjected to whatever comes your way. You're moving. There's movement there, but there's not growth there. And so Paul, in this passage, challenges us to look back to the cross of Christ and consider, are we remaining steadfast or are we simply just moving about in this life? So he says there are enemies of the cross of Christ. And here's, here's the crazy thing. So, so you have these people who are walking and Jesus, if you remember what he said in John 18, he challenged the Pharisees and he said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, my kingdom is of heaven. And so you have these people that are walking. Can you imagine them? They're walking, they're like, yeah, I'm aligned with Jesus. I'm following Jesus tooth and nail. And Jesus is like, I don't know where, I don't know where you're headed because you, like, your thoughts, your behaviors, your actions are not aligned with where I am. My kingdom's in heaven. My kingdom is not of this world. And so as, as, as we consider these enemies of the cross of Christ, there were enemies really in two areas. There were enemies in conduct, okay? And there were enemies in conscience as well. Enemies in conduct. So can you remember, I wasn't around, but in the 1960s, 1950s, 1960s, what was heralded? What type of conduct was heralded and uplifted? Uh, modesty, the sanctity of marriage, like you think just culturally what was advocated for and how we've seen a drastic shift in our culture as to what is accepted and what is considered normal. And Paul uses this phrase, who glory in their shame. You see that? Like there are things that are shameful that they're finding glory in. And he says they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They're enemies in conduct, but they're also enemies in conscience. He says their mind is on earthly things. I'm here to tell you this morning, like your mind is where the battle will be won or lost. Your mind is where it will be won or lost. Paul, on, on many occasions, talks about the mind. In Colossians 3.2, he, he challenges us to set our minds on things that are above. Philippians 4, he says, think on these things. 2 Corinthians 4.18, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Romans 12, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 8, 6 through 8, the mindset on the flesh is death. Jesus even said in Matthew 16, right? He said, get behind me, Satan, because you think not on the things of heaven, but on the things of this earth. Your mind is where the battle will be won or lost. Paul says they set their minds on the things of earth, not on the things that are above. I'm here to tell you this, what salvation, okay, the salvation of Jesus Christ is free. Um, but when you consider the cross of Christ, good stewardship is costly. Okay, salvation, what he accomplished on the cross for you and for me is a free gift. And all that he asks us to do is accept and believe in the work that he's accomplished. But good stewardship, considering that cross and being a good steward is costly. It will cost you your life. And that is something that I want to sign up for now because I'm willing to lay down, I wanna be, be an imitator of the Apostle Paul, that I wanna lay down my life for the sake of the gospel, and I count all things as lost, considering the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So we look back. Does that make sense? We look back to the cross of Christ, and we consider what he has done for us, and are we walking as enemies of the cross of Christ, or are we walking in conjunction with who he is? We look back. But then not only do we look back, we look inward as well. And we consider verse 20. So let's read verse 20 again. Paul says, for we are citizens of heaven, or our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. He says, we are citizens of heaven. 
And, and do you see the, the drastic, stark contrast there? That as we talked about American citizenship and all it means to be an American citizenship or a citizen, how this rings true in our day and age, that we are, we are not primarily citizens of America. We are citizens of heaven. And what this would have meant to the people of Philippi really is kind of crazy to me. Like as the, the group of believers in Philippi, they, they saw themselves and they were, they were Roman citizens. And so when Paul writes this, can you imagine being in the church at Philippi and you're like, well, I'm, citizen, I'm a citizen of heaven? Like no, I'm a citizen of Rome. And all that Rome has to offer me, like that's what I align myself with. And even the apostle Paul, like when he was thrown in prison in Philippi, right? What did he appeal to? He appealed to his citizenship, his Roman citizenship. And so like the implications of this were pretty drastic for the church at Philippi. At Philippi. But Paul says, we are citizens of heaven. And so what I want us to think about is as we talked about our American citizenship and what that entails, right? It, it comes with certain rights. It comes with certain duties and it comes with certain benefits. And so it's no coincidence that the same is true with your citizenship in heaven, that it comes with certain rights. This morning, you can approach the throne of grace with boldness because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is a right that you have based upon what Jesus accomplished for you, not by your own doing or your own willpower or satisfaction, but by what Jesus accomplished, you can approach with boldness. You don't have to be timid this morning. Jesus' arms are open wide, and you can approach with boldness. It's a right that you have being a citizen of heaven. But it not only comes with rights, but it comes with duties. And oftentimes we like to look at the rights and the benefits and say, well, there's a lot that comes with it. But when it comes to the duties, man, I, I, I didn't sign up for that. But being a citizen of heaven comes with certain duties. We must, we must share our faith. We must share the gospel. It's a duty that we have as a citizen of heaven. Consider your own family. And if you had family that lived elsewhere, wouldn't you desire that they live in this nation, in this country where there's so much freedom and opportunity? Absolutely. And so as a citizen of heaven, it's no different. The freedom and the acceptance and the opportunity that we have to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we desire that for all people for all people, and we align ourselves with scripture when Jesus says that I desire that none should perish. And so we say, all right, Jesus, I'm on board, and I'm your ambassador, and so I'm gonna go boldly and proclaim the gospel to those who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We have a duty or a responsibility to share our faith with other people. That's our duty as citizens of heaven. But not only do we have duties, we have benefits as well. There are some benefits of being a citizen of heaven. Praise God, that we, I mean, we sang about it up here, that we have eternal life in him. And we will spend eternity with him one day. It, like, if that, if that doesn't excite you, if that doesn't excite you considering eternity, now let's talk afterwards because uh, it should excite you. Like, it should, it should get you riled up and excited to say, one day, Lord, like one day, I cannot wait to spend my life with you, with you. And so we have benefits because we have eternal life in him. But not only do we have eternal life, we have peace with the creator of the universe. And, and, and does that make sense? Like we have peace with God. We can have the peace of God as well, but we have peace with God because of what he accomplished on the cross. So do you see, do you see the equation that we look back to the cross of Christ and we consider it, but then we also look inward and consider my citizenship is in heaven. And so here's what it means for me. It means that I have certain duties, certain rights, but also certain benefits. I have peace with God. Our God is a wrathful God. He is. 
And he cannot deal unjustly with sin. He will punish sin. So he'll either punish it with you, you'll stand before the judgment seat one day, and he'll say, well, he didn't accept my son um, who dealt rightly with your sin, and so you're gonna bear the punishment of your sin. Or this morning, great news for those, maybe you watching online, never done this before, great news. Uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but praise God, he sent a savior who is perfect and who shed his blood for our sake. And so we can have forgiveness of our sins and we can have peace with God. Where when he looks at us, he no longer sees us, but he sees his perfect son who clothes us. What an incredible thing for us this morning. We can have peace with God. It's a benefit of being a citizen of heaven. But the challenge that, that most will face is just like American citizenship, like you must be born into it. Like you must be born into it. How do you obtain American citizenship? Well, there's a legal process that you can go through, but the easiest way is just your parents were American citizens. And so you were born in this country, and so by default, I am now an American citizen. And the same is true. You think of your salvation. You think of the perfect one, Jesus Christ, and us being born again into the family of God and being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We must experience the rebirth. So we're looking inward. Our citizenship and our allegiance is to heaven. And so if that is going to be the case, if you're going to embrace that this morning and say, you know what? I've been living my life just thinking like, yeah, I'm just a, a bystander or a participant, but I've never really embraced my citizenship in heaven and all that that means for me. If you're going to consider that, then the other side of that coin is you have to consider the fact that you are aliens or sojourners in this life. Like you're passing through. And so that comes with its own set of implications. That if you're gonna embrace your heavenly citizenship, then as aliens in this life, you are no longer eligible for the same recognition and rewards of this land. And that's okay. Because what did Jesus say? He said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. So this world can have all at once. And it can give out awards and recognitions. And I may not qualify for it, and that's okay. Because I know where my citizenship and my allegiance is. You're not eligible for the same recognition or rewards, and we don't focus on building riches in this land, but we do, we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And we're not focused on longevity here, okay? Uh, we're not focused on longevity. Like, my life could end tomorrow, and as terrible as that would be for some, my hope is that others would rejoice in the fact that I am now at home with my Savior. And I'm not implicating that my desire uh, is to end this life, but certainly not the case. But my desire, if my citizenship is in heaven, then my desire is to be at home with my Father. And whenever he decides to call me home, then I'll embrace that in its entirety. So if we're going to embrace our citizenship in heaven, then we have to also embrace the implications of that, that we are now aliens and sojourners in this life. Your perspective, okay, your perspective on life will determine your priorities. It will, your perspective will determine your priorities. If my perspective is I'm a citizen of heaven, then my priorities are gonna be aligned with the king of the universe. But if my perspective is I'm a citizen of America, then I'll find myself quarreling uh, and getting into debates, uh, and not loving, and you wanna get real practical. You wanna get like just real practical this morning. So we've looked back to the cause of Christ, right, the cross, we've looked inward that we are citizens of heaven. You wanna get real practical. Like, is there fear in your life? Like, we just went through a pandemic. And, and if you found yourself just fearful, like, I'm just scared to death, 
that, that my life could end tomorrow, you find yourself fearful, then maybe your citizenship is misaligned. And, and, and when you think about, like, if, if this world is all there is, and, and my desire is to embrace everything that this world has to offer, then of course you're gonna experience a level of fear when that's called into question. Or is there some hatred in your life? Like, you're, people just make you angry. And you're like, I just can't stand people. And what do we have here? We have love God and love people. That as we love the Savior, as we transfer our citizenship and we align with the cause of Jesus Christ, that out of that pours the love for other people. So you wanna get real practical. Those are two things that as your citizenship is in heaven, how does it play itself out? Your priority will determine where, your perspective will determine what your priorities are. Okay, so we've looked back. The cross of Christ. We've looked inward. Our citizenship is in heaven. And now we look forward. Paul doesn't leave it in verse 20. Here's how he finishes this section, uh, 17 through 21. Here's what he says in verse 21. He says, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. It's probably the greatest truth this morning for those who are hidden in Christ Jesus, and that's that Jesus Christ is returning one day. Like he's returning one day. We talked about it briefly about how that should excite us, but just in considering that, because that's what Paul says in this passage, he says, consider yourself, right? Consider the cross, but then consider his return. We don't just sit as citizens of heaven and wait. We sit and wait longing for him to return because we know he is. You believe the Bible. The Bible talks more about his second coming than it does a lot of other subjects. One out of every 25 verses in the New Testament has to do with his second coming. Paul talked about it 13 times as much as he did baptism. So again, like we wanna talk and debate about baptism and X, Y, or Z, but the reality is 13 times more often, the thing that we can agree upon and the thing that we can look forward to is his second coming. He's coming back. And so we can get excited about that this morning. The end of Revelation, what does John pen? He says, him who writes these things says, I come quickly. And Paul's plea at the end of 1 Corinthians, he uses this phrase, Maranatha, which means come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And my desire, my desire is that Choice Baptist Church would be a church that longs for and that hastens the return of Jesus Christ. That we wouldn't be a content church, a comfortable church that comes and meets on Sunday mornings and sings a few songs and listens to a message and we just leave unchanged, but that we would leave here with eternity pressed on our mind. And then we would say, he's coming quickly. And what that means is that my duty and my responsibility is to share my faith with as many people as I can because I want others to experience the eternal life that I've experienced. And when he comes back one day, I wanna see them as well in heaven. See, and the reason why we look forward to this is because it does have an impact on us. He says, he will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. And so I, I, I've golfed many times with, with Pastor Steve. We've had some great moments out on the golf course, but he'll be the first to tell you, and I'll be there one day as well. I'm just fortunate right now to have a 40-year you know, advantage on him. Um, but I'll be there one day that his body just doesn't allow him to do the same things that he used to do. Is that right? It doesn't allow him to do the same things that he used to, because this body is withering away. The translation of this word uh, that Paul uses is, is it's, it's a humiliation. 
Is the essence, like, like these bodies are just withering away. They're gonna return back to dust. And so can you imagine, like, and picture this for a second, that on the other side of eternity, the perfected body that we'll have, like, and I know we, we talk about it callously at times too, because just honestly, if you're honest with yourself, it doesn't quite resonate like it should, but we talk about, no, you know, Pastor Steve mentions this all the time, no more tears and no more pain and no more suffering and no more death. And, and, and we, we gloss over these things from time to time, but scripture is abundantly clear that Jesus is returning one day and that he will perfect our bodies. I cannot wait to stand on the other side of eternity and see Pastor Steve jumping for joy, running enthusiastically. Like that gives me a sense of joy considering that. We had uh, Aurora here in the first service and um, I'll never forget this, but when she was baptized, and it brought me to tears just thinking about it. Uh, but Pastor Steve baptized her and he said, one sweet day, like one sweet day, sister, you will dance on streets of gold. And, and th- <laughs> like thinking about that, like the, the perfection of our body, he's coming back and he will make all things right, including this body as well. I cannot wait for that day. And why will he do that? Well, it's because he finishes this out uh, and he says, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. He's able to subdue all things. You see, like we serve a God who is in control and who is able of subduing all things to himself. And so he's capable of doing it. Like I'm incapable of doing it. Like you pass away, I'm sorry, but I cannot do anything with your physical body anymore. But we serve someone who can, who has the power to transform and will certainly do it one day. Like we serve a good God. And so, in closing this morning, here's, here's what I, I would say to you. So we, we've looked back to the cross of Christ, considered the cross, and that's the first thing that we have to do. The first thing, before anything else can take place, can't talk practical application, anything. Look at the cross of Christ and glory in that. We've looked back to the cross, look inward. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our primary allegiance and our primary citizenship is not to this world, but it's to the kingdom of heaven. And then we've looked forward, man, he's coming back. So as you leave here today, maybe you just leave with that. He's coming back. But here's what I would challenge you with in closing. As we've done those three things, just consider for a moment that your true freedom, as we think about July 4th, your true freedom was bought on the cross over 2,000 years ago. That's when you truly were, he bought it for you. But your Independence Day came the moment that you said yes to Jesus Christ. That was the day that he freed you. He says, I have this gift for you. I purchased it for you. And the day that you said yes to it and accepted that, man, your independence was secured. And so this morning, as the team comes up uh, and as we prepare to sing this closing song together, my question would be, are you living like it? Are you living like a citizen of heaven? Or are you just living this life like a citizen of America? And there's nothing wrong with being patriotic. There's nothing wrong with embracing the land that you live. And here's my belief. My belief is that if we would truly embrace our heavenly citizenship, if we would truly stand in the fact that we are not citizens of this world, but that we are citizens of heaven, I think a lot of other things would take care of themselves. Like, like, like don't you? Like as we set our minds on the things that are above, then I would think less about myself and I would think more about other people. That I would think less about hating others. I would think more about loving others. I would think less about getting and I would think more about giving. Like our world would be a better place 
if we would just transform our minds, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and set your mind on the things that are above. Find yourself meditating on eternity. Find yourself longing for Jesus to return. Find yourself just glorying in the cross of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us. Was it America that paid for your sins? No, it was Jesus. So have you become that citizen? Have you become, maybe you're watching online, you've never said yes to Jesus. Have you become a citizen? You must be born into it. You must be. So embrace your citizenship this morning. If you haven't, then say yes to Jesus. And if you are a citizen of heaven, then are you living like him? What if he came back today? What if he came back today? Would you be excited for that? And so I'll finish with the same question that I asked you at the beginning. That is your citizenship important to you? And so probably whenever you heard that question, you'd say, yeah. Like it's certainly important to me. Like my American citizenship is absolutely important to me. And so then my challenge would be, what about your heavenly citizenship? Because your heavenly citizenship, if you truly think about it, reigns supreme over your American citizenship. And as, as great as this nation is, my desire first and foremost as a follower of Jesus Christ is to be a citizen of heaven. Lord, may my eyes, may my thoughts, may my actions be aligned with heaven's cause. May I not find myself caught up in the things of this world, as Paul says, setting my mind on earthly things, but may I set my mind on the things of heaven and may it transform the way I live. What you believe will impact the way that you live. Let's pray together this morning. Father, Lord, I think of my own life and, and God, I'm just thankful that as, as a young child, Lord, I said yes to you. And, and I thank you for the stirring that's within me. Lord, the desire to serve you with everything that I have. And Lord, I pray for us as a church, as a local body. God, would our minds be fixed in the heavenly places. And God, I pray that, that as we consider what we believe, God, that it would impact our actions and that others would be impacted by that, not because of how great we are, but because we have been transformed by the one who's greater than anything. And that's your son, Jesus. So thank you, Lord, that as we look back to the cross, that he bore the weight of our sins, that he purchased for us freedom from death, freedom from sin. Lord, we thank you for that. And as we look inward, God, would we reconcile ourselves dead and embrace the life that we have in Christ? He's seated there, so are we. God, would we embrace our citizenship today? Lord, I pray. I pray earnestly that we would be a church desiring for you to return. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's our plea. That's our prayer. I pray we would mean that. that we would look forward to you returning, God. You're so wonderful and worthy of all praise, God. So we give it all to you this morning. We pray in your son Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. We're gonna sing a new song. Um, oh man, is it a good one? It's called Thank You for the Blood. So if you don't know it, it's okay. Just take in the words of this song. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Let's sing it together.
Glory to His name. 